Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's talking about. time for Mortgage Matters. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for being here. We missed you all last week. We had a last-minute rerun. We got our our wires crossed up on who was here and who wasn't. Dan went to go watch a friend get married, and then uh, we never found the a suitable replacement. Well, well we really didn't look for one. That's a difficult task. I think you knew that you were up for quite a challenge, and right, probably made the smart decision to. I, you know, I just I wasn't going to do the show alone. Yeah, that's a tough that's a tough thing when it's not your. Um, I don't know. I mean, some people are great. They can talk. I mean, you can talk. You can <laughs> talk, but it's another thing to talk. Thanks. I into, think into a microphone without that validating face <laughs> um, on the other side of the conversation. Well, yeah, and what, I mean, there's just so so many possibilities of things that can go wrong. Yeah, I mean, I'll just if I were a pro, if this were a, a you know, if we were getting paid the big bucks for this and it was a syndicated program, I'd probably have the confidence and ability to make it happen. But I'm going to play my amateur card when it comes to hopping on for two hours you mean if you're you're like rush limbaugh and you're getting oh 20 25 million a year there we go (laughs) yeah then but you see because then you're interesting yeah i mean i'd hire (laughs) if only to yourself yeah Yeah. okay all right one of the hardest things on radio for at least that i feel is when you're when you there's no one else to have the conversation with it's that you have to Discuss the topic while thinking of the next topic that you're going to talk about. Then right. you have to and switch gears if somebody calls in. And then if someone, yeah, it's it's a hard yeah, thing to you do. You have to think about, well, what am I going to be doing after this call while you're talking to the person that's calling in? Yeah. That can be tough. It's, that's tricky business. That's why we don't do that. We don't yeah. do tricky business. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we do the straightforward kind of radio business. Like I said, I'll play my amateur <laughs> card right there. You don't hear me. You don't, you're not going to hear me downgrading myself too often. But when it comes to like, oh, two hours of radio alone, uh, I'm not that good. No, no. Well, what's going on? Here we are already smack dabby in the middle of November, huh? Yeah. Interesting. It's already feeling kind of... Um, Holiday-ish? Yeah, it's different. There wasn't softball this last week. Oh. And it's, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a person of routine. Right. I like routine. You just don't know what to do with yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm getting excited about the holidays already. I know some people have been saying it's too early. I, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm kind of feeling it somewhat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The weather feels... Definitely feels fallish. Winter, yeah. yeah, fall, wintry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Dare just, we say it? Yeah, we're actually we actually have had a little bit of rain. Yeah, maybe tomorrow even. I heard. That. I heard tomorrow it's, it's like, gonna rain again. You know, it's kind of feeling a little more like it's the holidays. Yeah. Um, of course, there's the the Starbucks. 
cup fiasco? I thank God I didn't read about that. I don't want to know what dumb yeah. stuff is happening. I don't even know. Something about a red cup. That's all I know. Something about a red cup. And people are mad about it. See, here's the thing, though. I don't actually think anybody's mad. Someone is. Somehow someone got all riled up. I don't think so. No? No. You I think it's... Oh, you know what it is? It's a great marketing ploy by Starbucks. I don't think Starbucks... Starbucks started it, I They bet. could have. I'll leave that as <laughs> a potential everyone's option. Everyone's talking about them right now. In the media machine... Okay, go with me right here for a second. But in the media machine, let's just say that like uh, I really want to have a divisive topic and I'd love for you to land on my side... So instead of just convincing you that my side's the appropriate one, what if I just set out to make such an absurd argument from the opposing side that it drives people then into the other camp? I think this happens in politics. It's got to because some of these political things are so ridiculous. So like you come out as, you know, like picture this. You, you, you. What is it? Oh, yeah. And now there's a quote on there, Trump, Donald Trump, maybe we should boycott Starbucks. Is that true, though? I don't I don't think yeah. so. He maybe, said that? I don't know. Yeah. All right. Okay, I guess maybe it did. It's just a... I don't even see what the problem is. What's the problem with the red cup? Well, they took the, um, like the holiday... They don't Christmas say Merry things Christmas on them. On yeah. Or something. Oh. Because it's not politically correct. Oh. Is that what it is? It used to say Christmas and no, now it doesn't. No, I mean, I don't know that it's not. Yeah, that's the argument being made. <laughs> so, but here's what happens, though, so is... Stupid. Does... Okay. It, <laughs> this being all over the media can only make you think, oh, well, the religious nut jobs that need that on their coffee cup, you know, are, are now in outrage and freaking out. And then you go, oh, those people are unreasonable and lame anyway. But I didn't hear an awful lot of the argument side of it. I didn't hear people being upset by it. All I heard was um, the the banter about the people that were upset. And all I could think was, um, we're getting so good at being offended now that before the people are even able to be offended, some people step in and just start pointing out the potential offense. It's pretty wild. Um, the red cup suits me fine. <laughs> But actually, today, like most days, so it's of the world. Uh, that's funny. I I just have my uh, dented up metal travel cup here that reusable. Never right really, here. never really says Christmas. Same same <laughs> cup I use every Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> it's my Saturday cup right yeah, here. The Saturday. <laughs> cup. Yeah. See, funny stuff. Um. So yeah, that that's the that's the big news this week. That's the big going on. That's all you really need to know about is people are mad. About, well, my cousin. Lives some in... folks said some people are mad about the cups. Nobody's actually seen the mad people about the cups. My cousin lives in Idaho, but he grew up in Montana, and he sent a, a pic, or put a picture on his social media the other day. It, was, it looked like a like the the state line crossing or whatever. There was a sign, "Welcome to Montana," and then below it it says. In this state, we say, um, 
you know, God bless you and Merry Christmas. And if you don't like it, get out or something yeah. like that. <laughs> exactly. There you go. You know, maybe, uh, maybe if you're just worried about, you know, the, what Starbucks has on their cup, maybe you need to get a life. Could be. What, what do you, what do you think about that? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Maybe that's just my opinion, but not the opinion of mortgage matters or the host or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or this radio station, but it is mine. There you go. Right? I agree. <laughs> it's just one more thing to argue about, which I think is just weird. We're in a we're in a society now where you supposed to supposed to be uh, arguing and offended at all times. I feel like I'm numb to it because I have a three year old, and <laughs> we're working on this thing where whining gets you ignored. Okay, whining is not how you get anything. And so this Starbucks thing is kind of on par with that. So it's very timely for me in my household where it's just, it's getting zero attention from me. It sounds like whining to me. Yeah. Yeah. No. So it's a weird thing. Last week we, uh, we missed the show, which was a bummer kind of throws me off too i felt like all week i was just off because i didn't um i didn't do it you know it was a big week too yeah it was was job report the jobs report came out that was a big big deal big month for jobs really um (laughs) i'm just gonna move at the speed of my computer each time the little pinwheel comes up i'm just gonna go quiet and we'll just we'll just wait and watch it happen here. But yeah, the the job report was interesting. Um, the October ADP employment change said one hundred eighty two thousand. The jobs number comes out, bam, two hundred seventy one thousand jobs created. That's a pretty big month, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Unemployment rate dropped to five percent. It's pretty big news. Mm-hmm. You don't seem that impressed. Not. Why? It's predictable. It was. Yeah. Why? It's holiday season. Yeah. Retailers ramping are ramping up. Yeah. This is typical. A In point... fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the next jobs report's going to be pretty good too. Hmm. Yeah. You heard it here just first. Building. <laughs> you into, heard it here first. into the holiday yeah. season. So it's going to be a, another. We're going to have a couple strong jobs reports. I think you're wrong, man. Of, Holiday the, hiring. The non-Christmas Starbucks cup is going to slow consumer spending. How it's going to keep people from feeling opposite. the Christmas spirit. This is driving people to Starbucks. Oh. Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of those jobs created and the jobs that are will be created, um, hourly earnings were also up in this report. That's cool. I Have you heard of this... This retail trend that's catching a little bit of fire here that some businesses, some pretty big names are not going to be open on Black Friday. I saw first with REI. It's now up to like 20 some businesses. What do you think about that? Um, think it's cool? Yeah, well, I I don't think, I don't know. I, I know you're like, you liked... I mean, your I opportunity to work on shop, a holiday. I don't shop until the twenty fourth anyway, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. The Friday you. after Thanksgiving isn't a high priority for me. I mean, I, I like the idea. If all businesses were closed, it's kind of like New Year's Day, 
You know, like you just know it. Just plan around it. Are you inclined to support the businesses that, um, you know, are, are are encouraging you to spend family time on Thanksgiving weekend and no. not not go out and shop? That doesn't sway you in supporting them more so. No, because I mean, it, in in my view of how things are, there's so many different people, different walks of life, you know, different different cultural influences. Um, I'm not convinced that, you know, everybody loves Thanksgiving so much and needs that Friday for the day of rest or something. I just, I don't, I'm not sure I'm convinced that that is so significant. Um, so for the businesses that don't care about Thanksgiving, don't care about the day off are happy to have is their the biggest travel day of the year uh, or th that, that time of year, isn't it? It's yeah, one of them. Some of the holidays are busy travel times. But yeah, that's, I don't care. If you want to be open, be open. If you don't, don't. Now, I'll tell you, I, I, the things that make me sort of regret being human is like when I see at some bizarro o'clock in the morning and people are wrapped around the Walmart to race into that bad boy at 7 a.m. or whatever on Friday that happens. I look at that and I go, that's not... That's weird. I cannot relate to those people. I do not understand what kind of circumstances would drive you to want that to sort of define what happens to you the day after Thanksgiving. But you know what? If you're if you're happy there, I mean, by all means, get in line. You won't find me there. Um, so, yeah, I don't really care. It's interesting to me, you know, like the REI, I think, was the first big one. REI said they were going to be closed. And I thought, oh, fine. Will people make some concerted effort to spend their Black Friday money there um, on Wednesday? Yeah. I doubt it. Will you? I mean, I don't shop at REI really. I anyway. think if someone wanted to buy a tent, they could wait a day. I, I mean, or some, yeah. Well, yeah. That's the other thing I have an issue with. Don't these cities have ordinances against that stuff anyway? So that shouldn't that just loitering kind of, in the yeah, middle of loitering the night? and not being able to <laughs> well, stay. Well, I think on when the, you're I mean, like really? right at the building, you're you might be on some private property there where yeah, mm, that doesn't I, apply. Yeah. Well, and if you're in the line waiting for the door to open, yeah, I, I don't get that. I mean, really. But look, though, I mean, the reality of it is, is that uh, Black Friday is not government mandated. It's not religion mandated it's not um even probably socially mandated yet it's something that culturally has turned into an event i think economically we enjoy it because it boosts those you get some concentrated um good drops in the old consumer spending bucket on that day of course now what you have like um I mean, it's bigger though, because there's Cyber Monday, that? right? Yeah. What's all the other ones? Like you got all these, it's all back to back to back. Does it all change? I mean, are people going like, you know, Timmy's not getting a Christmas present because there's no Black Friday this year. That's not happening. See, now I've heard that argument wow. though. Um, people say that if you're, you don't have much money and, you know, it's really limited budget that you have to work with if you can take advantage of the Black Friday sales, it makes the difference of being able to have, uh, you know, Christmas presents for your loved ones or not. So perhaps some people are having to do this out of necessity. Even then, 
I feel like what a shame if you're like impoverished enough that it's endure that or not have gifts or something that there's so much importance placed on going to spend your last dime that you need to be in line from the night before, you know, it, I just, I, I can't relate. Like I said, I can't relate. There's a good part of me that just wonders how we got ourselves into this weird predicament. Um, but no, I, it, I thought the REI thing was a bit of a PR grab. Yeah. Um, I do like though, like that idea of they, their company to me, I think it speaks, it does speak about the it's values probably, of the company yeah. saying, hey, we want our people to be at home with their families. That's probably the bigger Not point. staffing. I don't care when you shop. Yeah. You won't have the opportunity to shop Friday because we want our people to be at home with their families. Yeah. I can get down with that. That's pretty cool, actually. That is cool. Yeah. You know, and, and similar, we talked about this um, over last year on the show. It always comes up in terms of the minimum wage um, argument here, but Walmart is on a move right now to increase wages to their uh, employees, and it's a desire to... I mean, to that same end, to create a higher quality, more loyal, happy, productive employee that then kind of trickles down into the consumers that they experience that and that that comes from the the cultural difference of the company so that's cool i'm down with that too you know like i said it's i'm not i didn't go Ooh, i need to go get a tent now because they did that but i'm happy about that um i have yeah. a list of the stores actually right here but I don't know. These guys, these the the ruiners of the consumer spending numbers. Is that what you're yeah, talking about? Well, they're just, <laughs> Should we they're need, just, yeah. These are the people that are just out to single-handedly destroy the economy by driving consumer spending and thereby GDP down. So mm -hmm. all of our mm -hmm. retirement accounts will be worth less. Yeah. So let's hear them. Who are the culprits? Well, this one, these <laughs> these actually say it's Thanksgiving. REI, REI is the only one that says that they're closed on Thanksgiving and Black Friday. But they, I'm, according to the list, uh, these ones are definitely closed on Thanksgiving. And uh, that'd be Nordstrom, DSW, Costco, TJ Maxx, GameStop, which is very surprising. Uh, For Thanksgiving Day, though? Yeah, Staples, PetSmart, Pier 1 Imports, Patagonia, Marshalls, Home Depot, and REI. Hmm. That's a and pretty social big coast lending. Well, you know, and they think about it. We <laughs> We're have join the movement. Yeah. We're right going to San Luis. We have Costco. We have Home Depot. We have GameStop. We have Staples. Yeah. And we have PetSmart. We're not going to be doing Black Friday loans. We have Pure One Imports too. It's crazy. I think that's great. If I'm if I'm getting to call the shots about this, I'll tell you what. I feel like some of the markets, like grocery store market, things that you. You may, if you're a poor planner or you have an emergency, I mean, who knows what happens, leads you to needing something yeah. there on Thursday. Let's have those be open until, I don't know, noon or two. And then if you didn't get it done, tough. I, we don't need all the stores open on Thanksgiving Day. I don't care about Friday, whatever. Do what you want to do with Friday. I'll be being lazy somewhere. I actually used to like working on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I know. You like making your opportunity to make Triple some time. extra money. Triple time at the grocery store. Yeah. yeah. See? It was awesome. That's Plus, sounds... I really didn't... Yeah. It just... It was nice to get triple the uh, the wages in my pocket. 
Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I mean, it's making like fifty bucks an hour as a college student. That yeah. was pretty cool. For that one day, you're walking around the store feeling pretty big time. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll stop and talk to you. The meter's running, bud. <laughs> this was a seven dollar conversation. And then, and then if you went over that eight hours, woo! Now you're really Dang, talking. Yeah. <laughs> so. <clears throat> In context of the jobs report, you know, all this stuff's all related there. Um, interestingly enough, the feds have been talking still about raising rates at December meeting. The new one now is that it's live for liftoff. Yeah. What did you were telling me that the the poll of economists has it up to like 70 yeah, something there's a chance? Yeah, there's a, a rate hike future. That's happening. And the economists, before this jobs report, the number was at 56%. So there was a 56% chance that the feds would raise rates at the December meeting. Um, of course, there's a few more big pieces of data to look at between now and then. This was one of them. And so subsequent to the jobs report, we find the Fed uh, rate hike future bumps to a 70% likelihood. So that caused a little bit of a shakeup. The 10-year bond yield. So, And this is a weird week, too, because Wednesday, of course, being Veterans Day, um, the bond market's closed. Banks are closed. Um, always weird. I mean, Wednesday's 20% of the work week. So when you shut the market down and do that stuff, it kind of pushes business off into Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, Friday. And then, you know, as if you were a trader, you were doing whatever you had to get done. Is it a good week to do business in? Um, maybe, maybe not. I mean, we kind of usually those short weeks are volatile weeks. Sometimes they're really well received. And sometimes it's like, ooh, this is a good week to kind of snooze and, and start fresh on Monday. So we saw some volatility in the week anyway. But by that jobs report, the holiday week, everything that went on, the 10-year Made some pretty good movement. Um, that ten-year bond yield has been hanging around the the close to two percent number for a little while. Um, I did not see how it finished up yesterday, I but it was hitting two thirty-three, yeah, two thirty-four. I, I think it closed yesterday right around two twenty-eight. So it, it, a little bit of relief at the end of the week, but yeah, we saw about a quarter point move higher in rates in the last week, week and a half. Um, it seemed most of that was just from this jobs report and the change in expectations of the, the upcoming Fed meeting. Um, you mentioned that there's still some some reports yet to be seen before that next meeting, which is occurring on December 15th and 16th. Um, one of the big reports is going to be the December jobs report, and I'm expecting it to be November. A or I'm sorry, the first week in December reporting on November That's right. jobs activity. I'm expecting that to be good simply because I expect there to be hiring during November for the holiday season. So I think that's going to be another, um, you know, feather in the cap of, of raising rates. But so you're but there saying are other yes. Numbers. So I, I think that if if employment is where they're hanging their hat, then yeah. But, you know, we saw a producer price number this last week that showed flat figures and and one of the other big factors in their policy decision is inflation or lack thereof yeah lack, running well below the yeah, desired the below level. target target inflation numbers have been a key part of the um, policy statement that uh, that we hear about after the meeting 
um, after the actual vote. And inflation is a big part. It used to be all jobs and housing. We don't hear about the housing component so much. We hear more about jobs and inflation. And inflation is still, um, it, it's not suggesting that we raise rates at this time. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if another, if, if a couple strong jobs reports will will ignite the move or not. Yeah, we'll see. Interestingly enough, I mean, I'm, I'll forever remember the, the way it went down when they, when the feds announced the, um, the, the stopping of QE3 a couple years ago. I thought there was no way they were going to do this in December. And this week I was talking to a buddy of mine that's kind of an economic geek and we started talking about why December is actually maybe a good month to do it. Um, December is a little bit of a, a weird month anyway, isn't it? It's got some short days in it. You don't really know what to do with yourself that week between Christmas and New Year's and you're like sort of been in holiday mode. People take some extra days off usually. In the financial world, it kind of feels like a two-week month. Yeah, it feels really weird. Um, and so, yeah, business sort of like shut down and not normal. And it's the end of the fourth quarter. You can't really get a lot done, right? That last in December, if you're trying to hit your numbers in December, you took too long and you blew it. So it's one of these things where it's a weird month anyway. And if they do something, it's not going to really have as big of an effect as it did like right after the first of the year, which sets the tone for the whole year. So maybe this is one of those months where you sneak one in on the 15th where people are going to, you know, the economy, business, people are going to have the opportunity to sort of wear this for a couple weeks until the first when they go, hey, you know, yeah, that happened a couple of weeks ago. No big deal. We had a great Christmas. Let's uh, let's get down to make 2016 great. So I just, and now I go, huh, maybe so. Interesting, when they cut that QE3, they did it in December. There were so many reasons that we could argue why it wasn't a great time, and sure enough, they did. So I say I don't know. I, I could get on board with that argument because I think one of the other big things that the Fed worries about is implementing a policy change and having it shock the market. So to implement a policy change when the markets are kind of sleepy, that's you're not likely to to shock anything at that point. Yeah. So yeah, I it makes a lot of sense. At I, the same time though, do you want to like hamstring profits with 2 weeks left to go in the quarter? <laughs> you don't really even give it enough time to uh, I to think soak by that in time, the process. It just is what it is. Yeah, huh? I think by that time it's it's just housekeeping anyway. It's 9.31, which means we need to do a commercial break here, take some time out to thank the sponsors. I uh, want to remind you guys, too, if you're interested in uh, joining the discussion, 543-8830, maybe got a question or a comment. If you couldn't tell uh, by the subject matter today, the, the show is a, a real estate and economic show, so... Uh, perhaps we should get down uh, to those topics a little bit. Sometimes we have to cast a wider net to catch our fish. Right. You know, <laughs> today was just uh, we're <laughs> letting all the nets out. That's right. I'm going to add that to the reel that we have for Jason of all the sayings. Here That's we a good are. One. I'm, I'm is. rubbing off on the guy. Cast a wider net to catch all the fish. Boy. Right. <laughs> That's right. All right, guys. Quick, stick around after this quick break for more mortgage matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. 
We'll be back in just a few minutes. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Our loans are not trucked in from some big bank. They're raised right here on the Central Coast. No hormones, no GMOs, no antibiotics. Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. You buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loans. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. They want to hit a Thanksgiving song. All right. All right. This, is, uh, this is a Thanksgiving song. I hope you enjoy it. Love to eat turkey. <laughs> <laughs> love to eat turkey. I love you. <laughs> love to eat turkey, cause it's good. Love to eat turkey like, like a good boy should. <laughs> I love the album. Uh, this is such a great... CD. This is awesome. In college, we had um, we always would have like our college Thanksgiving with our friends before everyone went home for normal Thanksgiving, and we started. This was sort of the the grace of the college Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> I, Adam Sandler was like the iconic comedian of our generation. Oh, I this think. is yeah. Well, we were growing up for sure. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right. Good pick, Jim. Although I couldn't help but realize we might be a week early on getting through our whole Thanksgiving shtick. Well, because we we're can, I mean we're, we're talking about Black week. Friday we're and just, being open on Thanksgiving. Get, and, getting ideas right now, yes. so the next next week's show can just really wow. Oh yeah, yeah. that's what we're doing. That's just what I was wow. thinking we're too. Just, we're prepping way in advance. Before the break, I was just saying um, this show is a real estate and economic show. Um, 
that is ultimately, I mean, we, we're mortgage guys. That's what we do. We do. We Agreed. forget that sometimes. I don't. Sometimes, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean the show, the oh. listening community of the show. So every now and again, I'm going to tuck in some, some pertinent information along those lines. Hmm. Um, did you see last week um, fa- the Fanny and Freddie news stuff? I saw, was it Freddie lost money for the first time in like Why three years? Why can't you be more like your sister, <laughs> Fanny? Yeah, that was yeah. kind of surprising. Yeah, so listen, just to catch up all the the uh, listeners here at home, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are um, the, used to be public, privately held companies, which are now basically kind of publicly held. They've been in conservatorship since I think it was September of 2009. Does that sound right? Yeah. So it's been a, quite a while. Um, they got some pretty crazy bailout funds. And in the end, um, these companies ultimately survived. They've been girded up by taxpayer dollar and they've been making some money again. I mean, I don't, many people don't realize this, but most, I mean, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are the conventional loan standards. When you say a conventional loan, this is what you're talking about. Um, and the idea here is that it's a known set of guidelines that addresses most any issue that comes up within what might be in a loan file from any, any issue of property type or eligibilities credit, income, asset evaluation, really everything. And both of these, uh, both Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have now pretty sophisticated automated underwriting engines that you put all the value up into a credit application, you know, all of those things you can, and it cross references the databases with the, the map stuff and the census stuff and comes up with value and determines your character based on your credit and ability to repay and all this kind of thing. And it kicks out all the list of things one must do to, to be um, actually finally approved for this credit, but it gives you that sort of conditional approval. Um, It's great. What an awesome engine between those two. um, It covers like 90% of the lending that goes on in the U S and many companies that don't actually end up making the true Fannie Mae guaranteed loan will still use this framework as this framework as the basis for how they do it or not. Um, And so it's, it's wild how much we depend on them. Um, I, I'm glad I'm not part of the the committee that has to decide what ultimately to do with Fannie and Freddie because that that could be there could be some pretty huge impacts of it. Um, and so, lastly, about this, all I can really say is that in context, um, Fannie, if there's between the two, if we're just going to call that the agency market, Fannie Mae does about. of the agency market and Freddie Mac does about 20. So Fannie has really been along three. It's been around three times longer been doing three times the volume, four times the volume of Freddie Mac. Um, Freddie Mac still obviously very relevant, but so Fannie Mae posted a profit, um, of 1.96 billion. Um, and, I mean, so almost a $2 billion profit. And, and this would have been for the third quarter. 
Yeah, the third quarter numbers. And so this is the 15th straight profitable quarter, and it's paying a dividend to the U.S. Treasury of $2.2 billion. That's pretty cool. Um, let's see here. Um, wow. at the In the same period, and I, I thought, I mean, you can probably, oh, and, and let me just say this. Fannie Mae, I guess, taken I, I, through all of the bailout and everything. If you want to get down on, you know, I I don't like the bailout, whatever, all that kind of talk. Um, they've officially now um, paid one hundred forty four point eight billion in dividends. And they only took like 80 some. Yeah, I think it was 90, 90, high 90s, okay. 96, 98 billion. I don't have the exact number in front of me. It was less than $100 billion, though. So uh, if I loaned you $100 billion and in six years you gave me back $144 billion? That'd be cool. That's a pretty good. <laughs> you'd be like, hey, do you need to borrow any more money? Uh, are you sure? Because this rate of return is better than anything we're seeing. Um so Freddie Mac, during the exact same period, had a $475 million net loss for the third quarter. And it was due to what? Investments it used to hedge against swings in interest rate. So they had a position in the market to protect themselves over increasing interest rates. And during the third quarter, interest rates came down a little bit. They must have just been too heavily on the side of the cost. They must, yeah. Well, they must have just anticipated more volume during that period and taken out. Tell us what a hedge coming. is. Well, so a hedge is a is a position in the marketplace that's supposed to offset Gains or losses, in particular losses is what you're trying to offset. Losses in the marketplace from from changes in the value of mortgages. So, And why would somebody care about the change of the value of their mortgage? Well, because that's what drives the profitability of the bank that's extending the credit, ultimately. If a bank, when you lock in an interest rate, you, you lock for a period of time. So let's say I've, I'm buying a house, I have 30 days to close, I'm going to lock my interest rate for 30 days. The bank that you're locking your rate with is now reserving that interest rate for you today for 30 days. During the next 30 days, the market's going to change. The value of that whatever rate you locked in is going to change over the next 30 days. So, so what if, if the by market... the end of the 30 days, the value of that of that loan, you know, the market's worsened so much that you've you've locked in a three percent interest rate, and it's now a four percent market. The value of that 3% interest rate has gone way down because the market's looking for higher So if yield, my whole pipeline is made up of 3% loans. Then the value of all those is way down. So you hedge, you take a position in the market to hedge against that. So if the value of that mortgage has gone way down, your hedge position has gained an equal offsetting, amount. offsetting value. So, so if you play it wrong. On your anticipated profit margin. But yeah, if you if you take out too big of a hedge position or too small or the wrong security to hedge against your mortgages and they don't offset equally, you can experience losses. And so that's something happened where, you know, their best and brightest didn't get the, the numbers right. Um, so Freddie had 15 profitable quarters in a row and then smashed 
that um, track record there. Sounds and- like, well, and when you talk about the numbers, though, we're talking about billions and billions of profitable, uh, or I'm sorry, you know, over the 15 quarters, there have been billions and billions yeah. of dollars of profit. And here they have a few hundred million dollar loss. Sounds like something that's not likely to repeat. Probably uh, not. You can't help but wonder, though, how does Fanny produce a $2 billion profit while in the same period effectively working for the same market but a quarter of its size? The company in tandem loses five hundred million. I mean, they weathered. Uh, like uh, you almost need to to send the trading desk manager from Freddie over to Fannie for a refresher course. Yeah, just watch what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, because according to the numbers, they should have been five hundred million profitable. Well. You and I know, though, with sometimes with smaller volume, it's actually harder to manage. Um, there, the volatility, the swings from month to month or quarter to quarter can actually have be harder to predict and, and impact your bottom line a little bit more. When you have larger volume, um, you know, if you make a slight mistake in your hedge position, it, it maybe the volume helps even it out and not look so bad. A $1.5 billion loss on the value of derivatives used to hedge the company's interest rate risk. And then also a $600 million loss due to the credit spread changes on various assets and liability measures at fair value. Oops. <laughs> it just didn't shape up that month. And so interest or that quarter, interestingly enough, now um, the FHFA director, Mel Wyatt, says that the Treasury might actually have to Send Freddie some money. Give me a break. For real. Is that the most amazing thing you've heard in a long time? These two are supposed to be stockpiling assets. And after 15 profitable quarters, you play the market wrong, lose a little bit of money, and now you need government money again. This is not bode well for the people that want to see this. I just got to hope that with all these dividends being paid to the government, that the government is setting it aside in a Fannie and Freddie relief fund of some kind. Are you kidding me? Or they need to change this whole dividend program and just have... Fannie and Freddie set the money aside into some kind of reserve. I mean, they're making all the banks do it. Why not have Fannie and Freddie do it so that when they experience an aberration like they did this third quarter, that they can pay for it themselves? You got to get off the the government teat. Yeah. Listen, Freddie got seventy-one billion of bailout money, and before this little hoochamoo they got in. They've paid back $96.5 billion in dividends. So still technically... 20 in the black. Yeah, 25. 25. 25 billion extra clams handed over to the treasury. Um, that's good. I don't know where that money goes. That money's like out into the general fund to fund some other you know, loser part of the economy. But anyway... Um, Interesting thing, though, and it seems like the the presidents, you've been uh, probably about as much as me. You've been watching some of these uh, presidential debates. Sure. Heard anybody talk about Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac yet? Not a one. Not really. This is an issue that's going to just be left. Um, And, you know, it's one of those things, too, where... It's not exactly on the forefront of things that need to be discussed. Hey, 
You know those companies that are paying us ridiculous amounts of billions of dollars of profitable dividend every month? Uh, we need to figure out how to get them out of here. Yeah, right. Not happening. <laughs> so interesting. Now, uh, Freddie has that's a little one bit where of, you just got, you're like tiptoe by it. Yeah. Hope not to bother anyone. Yes. <laughs> yep. Totally. Hope that you don't wake that. Uh, and so ultimately, we'll see. But it seems like it's going. This issue is going to get punted to the next president to decide what happens there. It's a. Uh, this market needs Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in one form or another. Um, the reason that there's always been two, like, you know, because some might be wondering this question, if they do essentially the same thing and, you know, one just lost a bunch of money and one just made a bunch of money in the same quarter, if they were combined together as one, um, is that the smarter way to do it? And the answer is really not. I mean, Fannie Mae came about in the late 1920s um, as a way to normalize that DNA of how loans are made to help fix the the mortgage business into those long-term secure notes that are fixed-rate loans. Um, Freddie Mac was put together in, I think it was 79 or so. 70. 70? I want to say 70. We'll have to look it Might up. Might be confusing FHA. Some point in there put together, though, to be an alternative. Like, literally, the discussions were, if something happened with Fannie Mae, which was a, a bizarro sort of... I mean, well, it they, was privately held organizations, so isn't there but just... But government the, sponsored. But there's the worries of monopoly and price fixing and things like that. So well, let's and bring if you had, a second entity. I mean, what if you had, like... Enron type of thing or some corrupt board or embezzlement or I, mean, I don't Let's know software yeah, hedging so, problems so the idea is create competition to keep them both honest or yeah. to keep to keep the one honest I think realistically you could have one set of underwriting criteria but you have the idea to have two entities buying the mortgages is to keep them honest as far as the value of the mortgage yeah well and you can't set the market so, right yeah so it's been a good competition i don't see that in, in no matter what happens i don't see that they get combined into one um, I, I could if it remained under government control i i could see that that it would remain that they could consolidate into one if, if do we really want the government to like run fanny and freddie i mean technically still they're under conservatorship, but still functioning with autonomy of the government. I think if the government actually then owned the pink slip to Fannie and Freddie. Well, here's the deal. I mean, to there's always going to be some level of government control. It, I, I think because of what we just saw, what what was proven to me in the in the housing crash is it's too big to be left into the greedy hands well, of you can't trust private enterprise to make prudent underwriting decisions you can't they 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 were proven to not be responsible enough to to make safe underwriting decisions um, because greed drove the decision making and that's not the way the housing market should be be managed so i think I just don't think that that part of it's going to change. There's always going to be some kind of oversight to make sure that that the housing market can't become another failure like it was in, in 2006, 7, 8. I don't yeah. see that part of it changing. 
Yeah. I just don't know that it can. Yeah, people use different rules. Like if I was lending out your money or mine, I'm going to take a little more risk with yours. <laughs> yeah. Dan, Dan's comfortable with that risk. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not. What's interesting, though, is in, in uh, December, Fannie Mae is, is ready for some guideline updates. And a couple of the changes they're making that they've announced, I think it's going into place December 12th, are actually aligning their guidelines more with Freddie Mac. Um, there's an issue of having a non-occupant co-borrower on your loan. So this is when, you know, oftentimes we'll see it when there's a, you know, maybe some some first-time home buyers, a young a young person or a young couple buying their first home in their 20s, they, they don't have the income to qualify for a mortgage all on their own, so they get their parents to, to co-sign for them. Um, what we call that on the underwriting side is a non-occupying co-borrower. And Freddie Mac allows their income to help the occupants qualify for the loan. Fannie Mae kind of did, but not really. Um, they would allow it, you know, as a as a point of additional strength for the loan, but they still wanted the primary occupants to qualify all on their own. Now they're actually going to allow the co-signers' income to count towards the total qualification. Um, so that's a line, you know, bringing them more in line. Um, gosh, there was another change that's escaping me right now. Um, anyway. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of sitting here seeing some of these changes and wondering if, if it's an alignment if, of the guidelines. Yeah, if they're slowly aligning them in the backdrop for some bigger change down the line. The formulas in underwriting are a little bit different, though. They I are. Mean, Freddie Freddie's always been more asset based. Yeah, a little bit more tolerant of high loan to value, believing that liquid reserves can kind of high cure all. Income. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if your bills are running a little bit high, but you have a very good ability to save and show reserves. that savings, yeah. those reserves pack a lot of punch. And Fannie Mae, on the other hand, has always been more income driven. Yeah. They want to see that you've got the cash flow to be able to support the payments. And, and are a lot more lenient on what they want or require that you have in terms of assets. Mm -hmm. So the two, I mean, is anyone right or wrong? I don't think so. Um, but it's nice to see, though, that there are two offerings. How many times do you come across a borrower that just doesn't fit into the Fannie Mae hole yeah. And not because they're not a good borrower, but just because they're, again, they're playing to the strength more of a Freddie Mac loan. And so you, it's great to have that opportunity um, that the, the diversity between the two yeah. in those regards are very good for consumers. There's definitely a place for both. I understand the, the, the idea behind Freddie Mac that, you know, maybe maybe cash flows tight to afford this home but you've got an extra 100 grand sitting in your bank in case time should get tight that's that makes a lot of sense to me um on the other hand i see fanny's point you know that maybe you've got a guy who's making or a person i should say making lots and lots of money but they're reinvesting it into their business or or whatever they're not saving it all they're reinvesting it to help create even more cash flow um but they, I mean, they're making tons of money. They're making a million dollars a year, but they're just not saving it. They're reinvesting it. That makes sense to make that person a loan too. Yeah. Um, I, I get it from both sides. I think both have their place. Um, so yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see if this topic ever gets picked back up by the, the powers that be. 
sooner or later it has to, right? You would think. I mean, although, like we said, I if I see that there's a couple of entities just funneling billions of dollars, it's kind of like quarter, your adult <laughs> child moving back in with you. Well, your adult child moving back in and paying you some pretty high rent. Well, except for Freddie just lost some. <laughs> hey, Dad, I need some money. Son, you're not even paying rent. What are you doing with your money? Your sister Fanny just made $2 billion. <laughs> But, Dad, what about the previous four years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 15 quarters, Dad. <laughs> yeah. What happened? <laughs> Freddie like, went on a bender and lost his business sense. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I don't. I mean, I. I bet. I think in the end, what probably happens is they're going to be turned back over into be private enterprise, but with some pretty hefty reserve requirements they, yeah. to be able to fund. I mean, if you if you just consider the amount of surplus they've been able to make during this heyday, if that has to be set aside as opposed to being distributed to shareholders. I'm okay with that. There's got to be a huge reserve. You can't in in the the best summary we heard about the Fannie Mae thing was that they they made the profits private and the losses public. Well, guess what? We then took them over. We've made the private. I mean, those private profits are now public. We've been enjoying the profits of them now. The investment has paid off in spades. It's in a good spot now. Moving forward, you are welcome to take your profit privately again when you can prove that you're not going to need a cash injection because of fluctuations in the market, much like the stress tests of the big banks, right? What happens with 15% unemployment? What happens with a 50% reduction in, in home values? What happens with an unemployment rate? You know, all these things happening at the same time and then you need to be able to model those and prove you survive them that's when we start letting some of those profits go back to the board back to the stockholders but until they're well funded they need to be right where they are they're they're taking great advantage of the the income um, assets savings however you want to look at it of what the treasury has to offer so we it's it's been a good investment but they they're going to they're going to ultimately i think need to go back to being private with great reserve requirements um guys we're getting down to the top of the hour break so we're going to be out for a, oh, i don't know it's like a 5 minute break it's a great opportunity for you to go out and freshen up the coffee let the dogs out wash the newspaper off your hands when we get back, we have a whole other hour of Mortgage Matters, and, and hopefully you guys will call in. If not, at least stick around. The only thing that keeps us going is just thinking there are people out there listening. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back in a few minutes for another hour of Mortgage Matters. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. All right, everybody, welcome back. Are you pumped about this next hour? 
Oh, yeah. I, I always feel like at 10.05, I got to kind of get some blood going. That's why I put it on the money talks here. ACDC. Yeah. I'm just pumped about this next hour. Yeah, we got to get fired up. We're fired up. We got to get we got to get big and fired up. <laughs> Dan. Yo. Are you pumped? So pumped. Hey, you, you know. You and the crew worked on the uh, yeah the we, web this week? That's right. We... Sp- as we talk about often on the show, we put a lot of time and energy into our website, centralcoastlending.com. Uh, we try to not just have a website that's encouraging you to call us or apply for a loan. We try to actually provide some information for you about the local real estate market and the local you know, mortgage opportunities that I exist. S- I see a mistake on the website right away. Uh-oh. There's what? a half-built home. There's a what? I see a picture of a half-built home. Yeah, we do construction loans. Oh, okay. So that's what that's representing is a home being built, being constructed. There you go. Yeah, we do all kinds of construction loans. We do one-time close construction loans. Uh, we do um, spec financing for construction. Um, you can get a... You could. We have financing that will allow you to place a, man, a new manufactured home onto a vacant lot. That's true. Yeah. There's some... Kind of, cool if it stuff. has anything to do with house stuff, if you need house money, yeah, we're a pretty good stop just to at least uh, sample the climate out there. That's right. Um, you know, it it it's funny. All these different banks, all these, and and I mean, how many banks do we have to work with to be able to offer this whole arsenal? Um, Surely not all of the banks want to do all of the kinds of loans. No, there's only a handful of banks that are interested in construction lending right now. Yeah. Um, so that's still a, a tighter part of our market. But yeah, it takes it takes quite a, an array of banks. We have, I mean, we're approved with 40 or so um, to have the extensive offering that we do. Um, but the reason I brought this up is that this week we uh, posted the third quarter um real estate updates um we do the way we do this is we do an overview of the entire area and then we break it down into five um five sub areas i guess we have san luis city we've got the scenic coast we've got the north county we've got five cities we've got the south county i think that's five um and our south county actually brings in northern santa barbara um county we we look at santa maria Orchid, Solvang, Buellton, San Inez, all in that South County. We call it South County, but you know, we just we're inclusive. We we keep that Northern Santa Barbara County. They're part of us, so we look at all of it. And um, and what's interesting is we've looked at median home prices, um, units sold. We've looked at price per square foot and compared it to previous quarters this year, as well as compared it to the same quarter last year. Um, pretty interesting stuff. I, I really like these reports every every quarter when they come out because I'm always you know interested in what's going on in our local communities as far as real estate goes. Um, there were some interesting things I was sharing with Jason off air that I think it was Buellton um, had. They must have had one incredible sale in the third quarter because the price per square foot for Buellton was out of control. Um, where did it go? Or no, Solvang. Sol- you know, most of the the county, the San Luis Obispo County price per square foot across the entire county is just around $320 a square foot. Solvang, because of one 
large sale, their price per square foot was over eleven thousand dollars. Oh, <laughs> so wild! I mean, I was there must have been a thousand square foot home on acreage that sold for like twenty million bucks or something to to do that. Um, but it's pretty interesting to see where your um, where your area, how your area stacks up with the rest of the county. Um, I I always find it to be pretty interesting here. Some of the highlights I thought were, um, again, the North County, as far as total activity, it's just, it's far and away the busiest part of our area um, as far as activity. The city of Paso Robles is, is leading the charge um, through the first nine months of the year. Um, Paso Robles, we've seen 522 sales. The next closest city, we've got a tie with Atascadero and San Luis Obispo, um, 274 units sold in the first nine months of the year. 522 to 274. We're talking double the activity in Paso Robles compared to the next closest city in our county. That's pretty good. Yeah. Paso's booming. Um, but Tascadero is up there, San Luis Obispo tied for second, Arroyo Grande's fourth, and uh, Napomo rounds out the top five. Then we get into the North Coast um, and some other areas. Um, it's pretty wild. We're having our best year in the last 10 years as far as home sales go for the first nine months of the year. We've eclipsed the 2,000 unit mark for the area, and uh, we have not done that in the previous nine years. Man. So activity is is booming. Um, there's definitely demand out there, which is why we're seeing so much activity. In fact, the market could bear more activity um, because demand is still so high. We've got so many people qualified and looking for homes that are still having trouble finding homes in the area that, that fit their needs. So if you're even at all thinking about selling, I, I'm telling you, it's a it's still a hot, hot seller's market right now. Yeah, the trouble is if you sell, it could be tough to find that replacement property because it's, it's a pretty true. competitive market. Very I mean, true. it really is. Um, Although I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of um, a lot of the deals that we have come through the office lately have some kind of contingency. And I get this call a lot, by the way, um, every single week. So I suppose it's worth mentioning. Somebody calls up and says, okay, I'll bite. You know, I got a... I got a house that I think would sell for $500,000 out of a $250,000 mortgage. And I'd like to buy these houses over here that are 660, right? So they want to step up into the next house, but their money, their down payment, their ability to buy is like caught in that first house. So what do you do? I mean, and, and usually they'll call and say, well, I need to access the money out of here for the down payment for that. And that's not necessarily an easy thing because you can't do like an owner-occupied loan, a cash-out loan, where you, you say, oh, this is my primary residence and I'm going to take cash out of it. Uh, people don't really realize that there's a big difference in the loan programs and qualification, but also the pricing and interest rates between what's going to be the home you live in versus the rental home you're going to have as, you know, a vacation rental or a vacation rental by owner, all those kind of ways that you might gain some income off of it. So it's a it's a kind of thing where you you sign 
um, an affidavit at the closing of an owner-occupied loan. You put your sign, you sign your name to say that you're going to live in this home for a year. So remember earlier I was telling you that like 90% of the loans in the country use Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac underwriting auto, uh, automated underwriting engine? Mm-hmm. This is one of the things that's tracked in there. We know if you've applied and we know if you've recently done a loan. And so you'll get this finding that says, hey, whoa, time out. We see that, you know, Dan is buying this home and he's buying it as a primary residence. But it was uh, within the last year that he did an owner-occupied loan. And so you go, if you approve this purchase loan, you're sort of facilitating the fraud that is he said he would live in this house for a year. So, and let me, I use the fraud word. So let me be careful here and tell you that there's a difference between doing this on purpose and then having these be your circumstances. For example, you come to me and you do a refinance of your home. And then three months later, that house that you drive by on the way to drop the kids off at school is like your dream house. And then finally you see us, there's a sign in the front yard. Oh my goodness. I have to go look at this house. And so now I look at the house and I go, I have to have this house. And you just did a refi three months ago. There's a way to get those loans done. We're going to have to write some letter of explanation. We're going to have to really prove that this wasn't something you tried to do. It just happened that way. The timing's unfortunate. You can get a loan in that situation. One of the main things we look for, by the way, did you take out $200,000 worth of equity three months ago? Because that's pretty suspect. If you did, oh, and look at that. Now he's putting $200,000 down on this new purchase. Those things, that's a problem. So we have to we have to have this conversation and be um, crafting the plan and following the plan as we're working that way. So when somebody calls up and says, my equity's trapped in my house, what do I do? We've actually had some situations where they say, I need to get $200,000 cash out because that's what I'm going to put down on this million-dollar house I'm going to buy. Well, as upsetting as this is going to sound, you're going to need to take that $200,000 cash out calling this place an investment property. I know you live in it, and today it's not going to be a rental. It might never even ever be a rental, but you cannot testify that you're going to be there for a year because your plan is to harvest some equity to put down on another place and then sell this one. And so it's a little bit more expensive, but you know, to be above board and make it happen the right way, that's the way it's got to go down. So um, we see lots of deals right now where people have those kinds of issues where they their equity's trapped up in one. So they're either trying to do a contingent offer, right? Where they say, hey, I'm going to buy your house. And then, but in this contract, my out is going to be that I'm going to sell mine. So I'm going to do a 45 day escrow with you. I'm going to list my home for sale. And hopefully it can sell within the first 15 days for a 30-day escrow. And then these things can close together. So then you're accepting my offer means that you're going to go along with me for like 15 days. You're going to come off the market and say, yeah, this is a good plan. <laughs> Hope this all works out. And to complicate matters even more, we'll see this happen two or three or four transactions strung together in a row like the domino escrows all right when party a closes 
their proceeds will buy party B's home where party B can buy party C's home, you know? And so all of these things get jammed down into one thing. Um, one little week of having all of this stuff orchestrated perfectly. Um, that's where you need to be working with a lender that understands that stuff and it is not going to have delays. Isn't going to be the reason that three transactions blow up. Um, that's the kind of stuff we do. Seems like there would be a place in this market for a bridge loan. Yeah, there's a little bit of bridge opportunity. It's funny. Whenever somebody says bridge, you know how I know you're old? Because you said bridge loan. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, that's like my dad calls his credit report as TRW. <laughs> Can I get some courtesy docs? It's going to mess my TRW up. Yeah, that, it's like they don't have that anymore. What is TRW? Do you, Jim's older than I am. Do you know what TRW was? Did you have that back in the day? It was day? a credit reporting thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was something like that. I mean, yeah, totally. It was it was credit. But um, today it's your FICO. And By you, the way, thanks for implying that I'm old. You're just older than me. I didn't say you're old. Okay. And I, I mean, and I'm not, I don't, you're not older than me based on aesthetics. You know, I, I'd suggest you actually look younger than I do. <laughs> well, thank you. I got a lot more gray hair than you do. But you have more hair than I do, too. So there you are. It's a trade-off. <laughs> do you know this week I read an article that said there's a really <laughs> strong correlation to how thick your beard is and your hair? Hmm. The thicker the beard, the greater the likelihood is for male pattern baldness. Hmm. I suppose that's so why. You have a really good possibility of it. <laughs> no, I, I've got great likelihood of having... Uh, Full head of hair forever. Okay. TRW yeah. was just one of the repositories. Okay. So just like we often say Did TransUnion become TRW? Or the other way. Uh, it was actually or TRW. TRW became TransUnion. Became Experian. Okay. So, you know, we, we often call credit scores a FICO score. FICO is actually just one of... The, the model. Well, yeah, it's a model, right, of... The Fair Isaac yeah. credit something organization i don't know <laughs> <laughs> credit organization credit yeah, so tr c's probably credit dan trw <laughs> was just is just experian now one of the three thank you mm -hmm. we totally digressed started talking about hair loss and beards you yeah. looked up trw you asked about a bridge loan daniel bridge loan is pretty cool and there are some companies that offer bridge loans. We know how to get them done. So that, yeah, here's a bridge loan. And I'll tell you what I don't like about the bridge loan. You want to know what today's bridge loan is in the market? It's hard money. Totally. Let's say you come to me, same scenario, $500,000 house with $250,000 equity. And you say, hey, I'm going to buy this house over here for $700,000. And I need that money. <laughs> so... The bridge company does two appraisals, appraise both of the homes, okay? So now you're double the appraisal cost at 500 bucks a rip. You're in for a thousand bucks worth of appraisals. And they will loan you the money on the home that you're going to sell up to, it like it's like 90% of its value. So you're not going to get the whole 500 grand. You know, it's a five hundred thousand dollar house that you owe two fifty on, so you'll be able to borrow four fifty. They'll get you two hundred thousand, so that you can then put that down on the house you're going to buy. 
and then they try to encumber both. They charge several points. So at closing of that loan, the bridge loan for a couple hundred grand, you're going to end up paying usually three points on it. So you're going to pay $6,000 in points after paying a thousand dollar appraisal. And then it's a 12 month loan. In 12 months, they can force your hand at which one of those you're going to sell to get the money back out of it. It's a, it's a, you really got to know what you're doing and have a pretty solid plan for it. But I have one more solution for you. You don't like the idea of doing the contingent transaction or the expense of doing a bridge loan. You don't have, you know, rich aunt that can just loan you the money to bridge you the gap that way off the records. How about you sell your house and do a rent back? I mean, this is another one of the things that we see that's a, it's a perfectly reasonable strategy. Dan in my scenario has a $500,000 house with a $250,000 mortgage and he wants to buy this house across town. So well, one of the strategies would be that you sell your house and as part of the contract, you get yourself the right to be a tenant in your house. At the closing, like that day, you go from being an owner to a tenant and you got yourself a 60-day window. So if I sell my house with a 30-day escrow and then a 60-day rent back, I have three months until I need to be out. But if you acquire the new house with a 60-day escrow or so, I mean, and that's not unreasonable. We see 60-day escrows in town still. Now I can close my house, get my money, become a tenant, wait for my next escrow to close. I'll have the money for my down payment, loans in place, schedule my moving van, make the whole thing happen that way. That's another strategy. We, and, and we see the whole array of these things. And oftentimes I think it comes down to um, how comfortable the buyer or seller in this situation is with the plan. Um, sometimes the real estate agents are the ones that really drive to go down one avenue or another, the one they think is like the the highest likelihood of getting accepted in a competitive market. Um, I think if you're in a, if you're vying for a home that's really sought after, you're probably going to have to do the bridge loan because it doesn't cause a delay. The seller doesn't have to wait for you, and failure to perform to like sell and move all the money damages. Um, the, the risk is all on the buyer, not the seller. So I think the seller is going to like that idea the most, by the way, if weighing that against an all cash offer from somebody else, the, the risk there for the seller of even waiting for you to do a bridge loan, couple appraisals, the time, the extra underwriting, the scrutiny, or take this guy that's cash, you know? So it's, it, it, it all has to do with who's who's involved in the transaction, how comfortable are they, how reasonable is the solution you're going to go for. But those are the thing. I mean, these are the kind of conversations people call up and say, I'm ready to, to buy up the next house here, but I'm nervous. You know, who wants to sell their house to then find that there are no suitable replacements? And then what? <laughs> you're going to move. Then you're going to move like now you got to move all your nice your your homeowner grade furniture and possessions into like rental just moving your stuff damages it right I mean, every the, the, time yeah. every time and so now you're going to become a renter which by the way is a short-term solution before you're going to um 
buy a home, like once you can find one, then you're going to buy a home and move again. Moving is a pain in the butt. Damaging your stuff, mm-hmm. all the extra money, the, the nuisance of it. Um, it's just, that's not exactly something people want to do. So it makes it one of those things where you got to have a pretty good plan. You got to have some faith in the people that you're working with and their familiarity and confidence to walk it out. Uh, and so I'm just going to go ahead and say that. It's what we do. We'll help you. <laughs> we'll help you do that. Totally. And, you know, for us, like it, we had to get good at all that stuff because it's common. I mean, so many of these transactions, um, th- something like this is going on. These people are relocating. This person's, you know, getting a bridge loan. This guy's doing a rent back. It's all, it's all those things every day. Um, but that's a language that we speak, and we help people buy and sell houses based on understanding how to do that stuff. It's a break of time. Are you ready for break of time? I'm ready for break of time. All right. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I was trying to be more like Borat, and then you did like uh, the count on me or something. Yeah, exactly. The break of time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Deliriously silly after talking for an hour and a half. And I'm tired, man. I went to bed at like two last night. Wow. I'm too old for that. No. Yeah. Yeah. See all my gray hair? Right. I need I to go to bed it. at like nine after a warm cup of milk. I'm going to have to do this, aren't I? Do it. Hey, to it's toss. time for a commercial hey. break. Hey. <laughs> you sound like Obama. Hey. Make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, welcome back. We took too long to to greet you after the break, Jim. You didn't want that song to play that long, huh? Oh, it's okay. I like the song actually. I like it too. Who is that? Uh, uh, Foster the people. Don't stop. Color on the wall. See, it's still rolling a little bit right now. Yeah, a lot bit. There it is. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it kind of fits, you know. Color on the walls. You might paint your house. Who knows? Put a little color on your walls. Indirectly, I guess it fits, right? I got a call yesterday oh. from a woman who owns a few properties, actually. But one she was calling about, she's been trying to refinance for quite a while. Uh, she owns in Lompoc. Mm. Said she bought it in 2004 for $400,000. She took out an interest-only 10-year fixed loan. For three hundred and eighty grand, and then she had a second on another property that she used to buy this house. And maybe I'm getting my numbers wrong. I think she bought it for a little over four hundred grand. But she took out a fifty thousand dollar equity line to put down on the purchase of this home on another property. But somehow the bank transferred the equity line to the to the property she actually bought. Wow. So anyway, she's got a three hundred eighty thousand dollar first. That's now converting to a fully amortized principal and interest loan. And her payment is more than doubling. And she's got a second on the property as well. Hugely underwater still. Bought it in 2004. Yeah, by the way, a a 10-year interest only loan. It's like a 30-year fixed with 10 years worth of interest only. And then turns into a 20-year fix. Turns into a fully amortized 20-year fix. With an adjustable rate. Bang. Or yeah, it's not <laughs> fixed. Forget it. It's not fixed. It turns into a, a basically a, a, a 12-month adjustable rate Bang. mortgage for 20 years. All of a sudden, you have a major event happening in your life. That payment shoots up radically so we looked up this loan it's not a fannie mae or freddie mac owned loan so she can't do a harp refinance harp is where you can refinance regardless of your equity position but your loan has to be owned by fannie or freddie that wasn't does the she case. live it's not an fha loan so we can't do a streamline fha refi where there's no appraisal it's not a va loan so we can't do a vi va streamline loan with no appraisal um does she still own multiple properties? Owns multiple properties, but doesn't have enough equity to balance because, them. You know, three, well, four, including the subject property, are rentals. So you have to have at least 25% equity to Sheesh. do any kind of financing. Time to sell two and pay one down. Well, I was, you know, she's tried the modification path, but getting nowhere with our friends at Bank of America. Yeah. Um, and she's been working on that for years. This is my surprised face. Right. 
there's, I mean, nowhere. It's going nowhere. And so we talked that, you know, it seems like modification is really the only option. But a lot of times those banks don't want to play ball. So short of that, I mean, it's short sale. She's not in a position where she, it sounded to me like she couldn't float the negative payment because she's, her payment's going to shoot up to about $3,000 a month. And she only brings in eleven, twelve hundred $1,200 a month on this property sounds, and rent. Sounds almost like bankruptcy. Well, I don't know that it's bankruptcy because all of her bills are being paid, but she can't. For how long though? Right. She can't float the eighteen or $1,900 negative payment every month and doesn't, yeah. you know, so she's in a bad situation and it sounds like a short sale may be the only way out of this situation short of, you know, depleting all your reserves and then going into a bankruptcy situation where everything oh, gets lost. That sounds then, terrible. So yeah. I was shocked that this situation is still occurring, especially from a home that was purchased, not at the peak of the market, 04. but in 04. Weird. That's wild. Yeah. But these, these negative equity situations still exist, even in our local community. Um, they're still out there. Yeah, I'm doing a harp loan right now. I, yeah, that's I, I. I was looking at that. We haven't done a harp loan in a long time, but he, we're doing one now. And then this woman, unfortunately, didn't qualify for that program. But they're out there. There's still people out there that are in some tough situations with their real estate and i also had um we had our first walk-in to the atascadero office this week mm -hmm. so that's pretty cool i mean that makes rent feel really worth it when somebody just stops in you know your sign and storefront's not usually your best advertising um this guy has a loan uh it was like a Four and three quarters or something. That was higher. It was like five and a quarter. And we start talking about refi. And I'm like, I just got to know. Where were you for the last like five years? How could you never have, you know, and he's just like, ah, yeah, wasn't a priority. There's so many people out there that have loans like that. Um, interest only loans, um, adjustable rate loans, seconds that are coming to maturity. I mean, think about that right now. This is 2015, although we're obviously running to the end of it. Many of those things were 10 year things. So like 10 years of interest only, or, um, a lot of seconds you have the, um, the payment and the interest only period is a 10 year term. Right. So during that 10 years, you can use it and pay it back and it's interest only and it's really affordable. Month 121, using it is no longer an option. You now just kicked into the repay period and it goes from interest only to fully amortized and can, again, get really expensive really quick. So, um, but then also, let's say you had just a five year adjustable and you got that in. 2005. So in 2010, your loan adjusts. Most of the time those adjusted down and become pretty affordable. Um, so we're in a, a position here where uh, I mean, we talked about it in the first hour of the show. There's a 70% chance that the feds are going to raise interest rates in the um, December meeting. That's the 70% chances by the people that are supposedly, you know, 
dialed into this and a lot smarter than you and I. So how many people are out there hanging on with one of those loans that they shouldn't keep limping or a loan that's due to adjust or, or amortize or something next year or, you know, with a negative equity loan where heart, I mean, you got to remember these, the harp stuff, that's temporary stuff. And I, I know it gets looked at again this year. I mean, last year they had to extend it for another year. So I, I imagine they're going to extend it again another year because it doesn't do a ton of business, but it creates the only way out for some people. And so it would be an unpopular thing just to can. There's no real expense to offering it. But what if you, you know, sitting around and let that expire? There's there's a handful of different reasons why now's the time. I mean, really. And I, I feel like we've been saying it for a long time that these rates are going to go up. Right now it feels imminent, doesn't it? I mean, I... And I don't think you or I would be willing to place money that rates go up in December. In fact, if I had to bet the line one side or the other, I'm going to bet they don't go up. Um, but, that, I mean, that being said, um, it, this is probably some of the last time that you're going to be seeing these things. So these rates, these 30-year fixed rates in the threes. It's been happening so long that people are sort of think it's normal. It's really not normal. The life of the 30-year fixed is um, it likes to live in the the 6% range. So seeing this now, it could be a fleeting moment. It's a great time if you've got mortgage insurance or you've got adjustable rate or you've got interest only or you've got a second Um you know, th these are great times to figure those things out. I'll tell you another refi that I'm working on this week is a um, a friend who has a real good loan, good interest rate, a good, you know, good really everything, but has a kid that is going to a pretty darn expensive college. And the way that they are going to choose to tackle this is to take 50,000 bucks out of the house. And, you know, I'm not going to say that's the right approach for everyone. In this case, it it seems to make sense. They're not in a good position for financial aid, don't want to straddle the kid with a bunch of debt and, you know, cause stress and anxiety or just want to focus more on the education. Um, so you can get at 50000 bucks and just roll that into your fixed rate loan right here. It's still at 30-year fix in the threes. There's... Um, there's great reasons why it's a, a fine time to consider that. Um, and those are things we help with. That's the theme of today's show, Dan. The things we help it's with. the theme of our business. Right. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. It's There's a lot of options that we're very well versed on and got to help people figure out how to pay for life. Yeah. <laughs> that's really what it is. I had a couple come in this last week. This one stretches the the boundaries of what I like to do, but I had a couple come in last week with their budget looking for budget advice. Huh? Yeah. Making sure that expenses appeared normal. And I'm like, well, I'm not a financial planner. I don't have any of those certifications. That being said, I, I were asking you for budgeting advice. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Why are you raising your eyes at me? <laughs> 
I know what they're supposed to look like, dude. <laughs> I may not be very good at sticking to one, but that's a whole other thing. You've heard like the cobbler's, uh, what is the saying? Jim? The cobbler's son has no soles or something? No shoes. No shoes, yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, you know, I got two things I can use out of this show on that reel. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Cobbler's son has no shoes. I call your bluff, though. I know it's not real. <laughs> it's not a real reel that you have, that you talk of. Well, yeah. It is anyway. 20 to 11, which means that we've got to do the final commercial break of the show. Um, and I, we still don't have any calls. That's all right. Doesn't bother you? We've got listeners. I know they're out there. Yep. All right, well, commercial break time, Jim. Hit that button now. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328 through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Little blondie. Well, call me, although I think she's singing about a different purpose than we're promoting her on the show. But 
Oh. I never thought about that. Mm. I thought it was like she was like the Domino's pizza delivery driver. <laughs> yeah. I think she's a call girl. Anyway. Ah. This one, Interesting. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Anyway. But call us. 543-8830. It's a bit late. I mean, we could squeeze in a call, maybe, but it's getting kind of late. That ship's nearly sailed. Hmm. There were a few other highlights from the the third quarter real estate update from the website that I thought I'd share. Wait, what? I'm sorry. I was reading about increasing rents. I was talking about the third quarter real estate updates on our website. Oh, that's totally centralcoastlending.com. If you How do you If you go to our website, we've got a few different features on the website. Obviously, there's an apply now opportunity. We've got some info about our company and info about mortgages, but we've got this market update blog. It's our it's our blog where we're putting up new content um, I wouldn't say every day, but definitely every week there's new content um, on the website. And just yesterday we published the real estate reports for the entire county. We've got the county overview as well as the county divided into smaller segments. And um, and so I thought I'd share some of the, the highlight numbers with you. Um, some of the, it, you know, if you're in the market for a home and looking for a more affordable area to live, um, you're going to want to check out the North County, because Paso Robles, Santa Margarita, and Atascadero all fall into the more affordable areas. Um, if you're looking for a beach community that's more affordable, you might want to check out Los Osos or Grover Beach. Um, Oceano is another area that's that's more affordable in our county. And then uh, Santa Maria Orchid area also is, is actually the most affordable area, um, not necessarily in Slow County, but in our in our central coast area here, um, it's actually the only community that's got a median home price under four hundred thousand um, dollars. Those other areas I mentioned were all in the four hundred thousand range, less than five hundred thousand. If you're looking for some areas that are pricier, then all the other areas I didn't mention would be for you. Um, we're talking Cayucas, Avila Beach, Pismo Beach. Those are all in the eight hundred thousand. Dollar median home price area, San Luis Obispo, Arroyo Grande. Those both are in the mid six hundreds for median home price, and then in the high five hundred thousand, you've got Cambria, Morro Bay. Um, in the lower five hundreds, you've got Napomo and Templeton. So we've got quite a wide range of of median home prices in our area. Um, so. In a perfect world, there's a little something for everyone. Right now, we know inventory's tight across all the areas, and so it might be hard to find the perfect home for you, but um, at least gives you an idea of where you should be shopping. We also look at price per square foot, which I actually find to be a little more interesting than just the median home price numbers. Median, I mean, all these numbers can be skewed if there's a crazy sale, like we saw in, what was it, Buellton, with the price per square foot at a, over $11,000, which is... Just crazy. Hmm. But I like seeing the the different markets and price per square foot because I think that's one of the best ways to see when you're when you're looking at a listing to see if it's at least in the ballpark of reasonable. Just this week, there's a home in my neighborhood that went that a for sale sign popped up at. And I you know, I always like to guess what I think the the price is gonna be. It's a brand new home. It's not even done being built yet. Um you know, I was thinking 
somewhere in the, you know, it's brand new, got good views. I thought, ah, 700, you know, somewhere in the 700 range would be reasonable for it. Now they've got this thing listed darn near a million dollars. Price per square foot north of 450 or right around $450. Morro Bay price per square foot for the first nine months of this year was closer to 350 and these people have it listed at 450 I don't think that's very realistic. They need to look at our reports. You never know, though. Never know. Be real. I mean, I'm pulling for them. Believe me. Tough to do. <laughs> I'm tough to do it. a loan in a transaction like that. It's hard to get the appraisal to work, right? But if it's a cash buyer, yeah, one of them farmer folk from Bakersfield with all that money, hey, just come I'm, right over and want their brand new home with that ocean view. I'm pulling for them. That's how it happens, man. I hope it becomes they the new can sell comp it for a million bucks. Might be listing my house if that happens. Yeah? Come on over to the hill? Maybe. I don't know. Buy quite the palace in North County for a million bucks. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So, all this information's there. I've only scratched the surface. It's kind of boring to like go over this um, on yeah, the Yeah, because there's charts and yeah. colors and numbers, and you can see how it relates to the different quarters and different years by the different areas. I was... You know, I, I I just looking through. I got to say, really for the first time, because I'm not a part of the team that builds this stuff. Looks pretty cool, interesting. I I I'm gonna come back and look at it a little bit more. I started though on that first page, looking at the picture of the Atascadero um, City Hall building. Mm-hmm. I think that's a picture from before the remodel. Possibly. I don't know. Interesting. Also on the website, though, is um, the Loan Center. And, of course, most basically, and this is a, kind of a, a call to action for anybody out there that we piqued your interest with those. Maybe you have that loan with mortgage insurance or you have that adjustable loan or that second or that interest-only loan. You're looking for some kind of a, a fix to, to figure it out. We have a secure application on our website so you can go to, over to the website set up an account you'll choose a username and password and um, go ahead and, and fill out the application button many of the borrowers that we work with um, we don't ever even see face to face it's such a digital world um, did you you I know you see all the same advertising I do you watch CNBC most of the day too um, they're the new company right now that's talking about your first ever digital mortgage. Oh, uh, yeah, it's um, guaranteed rate. Is it them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's so much I could say about that company and the clever advertising. Clever but advertising. Yeah. So here's the deal. Um, you can, with your smartphone, take a picture. I mean, if you got one of these new iPhones, you can take a picture of a page of a tax return or all of the pages of tax returns your pay stubs a pay bank statement. so you can send us things that way you can text us your pay stub if you have to um but we have all of those same um secure ways that we can trade documentation i prefer not to do the cell phone route um we have a secure service called ShareFile where it basically works as like an FTP. It's a link back and forth. That it's like a Dropbox or yeah, something. Yeah, like securely giving you a, a link to upload to or download from 
where your information isn't being sent right out over the internet. And here's the deal. If you have a document that you attach to an unsecured email, like you just pull up your email and you try to email me and you just attach a document on there that's got your social security number on it. In the internet, there's all these little bots that are out there and they just search for those patterns looking for any three, two, three sequence of numbers that's got or looking for attachments to emails. Sure. Yeah. And they, yeah, and they're smart. So we don't want you guys emailing. I I don't even really want you texting information um, about your, your personal finances. So rather you could apply digitally. It's perfectly secure. It's 256 bit um, encryption. And then what ends up happening is we'll give you a link to where you can upload documents to. We retrieve them from the link so they're not ever out on the wide internet or attached to standard email. Um, we do loans for people right here in town where we never even see them. Uh, also, we do loans for people that walk right in with paper in their hand and they want to sit right down and stare into the whites of our eyes and you know, have a handshake and a person to put a, a voice or face or name to. And um, they that's really important to them. I personally enjoy just meeting with people. It sort of breaks up the mundane nature of my working behind a computer screen so much. But um, point being is that we have all of that same technology. We have the ability to do your fully digital mortgage that, you know, it's not something that's so cutting edge. Uh, but I can offer you something that those cats over, you know, at XYZ Internet Company can't offer you, which is come on into one of our uh, local offices here in the county. We have office in Paso Robles. We have office in Atascadero. We have an office in San Luis Obispo. And we have an office in Morro Bay, all of which are open for regular business hours. And there's loan professionals, um, actually loan experts that are in there to help you um, answer your questions, figure out how best to sort of be your facilitator um, without being overly salesy or, you know, I don't, I don't see it whenever I'm around. Maybe these guys are minding themselves extra well when I'm around, but we we're not working from the commission mentality. We're working from the service mentality and trying to be as honest as we can and, um, with people about their situation, um, representing the greatest array of mortgage products that I think any one company can, um, really attempting to help. Um, so again, if you want to go to um, the website, you could fill out that application and apply now. Um, maybe you just want to learn a little bit more about us on the website. We've got bios in there. You can get comfortable before you reach out and contact us. Uh, we've also got write-ups of some of the specialty loan programs we offer, farm and ranch financing, manufactured home financing, mobile home financing. We do reverse mortgages. Um, basically, the, the gist here is that if there's any kind of a loan that you feel like you need or or just want to evaluate to know that you've explored all of the options, we'd be a great first stop for you. Um, we do quite a bit of loans. I'm uh, excited, Dan. I, I think I told you this recently, but I've been watching the, I pulled some reports. I was monkeying around in some reports at the company and we're nearing in on a half a billion dollars loan since we started our business. And, um, 
this business was started in uh, January 2nd, 2008. So probably not the ideal time to start a mortgage company, but we've been, uh, I know, I remember then, remember how much you freaked your mom out? Oh, yeah. I panicked my mom. Um, But hey, so far so good, huh? We've made it. We've loaned out about half a billion dollars worth of loans. And we're still going. And the way we do it is with good old-fashioned service. Um, we're, we've got all of that uh, strength and power of a big internet-based company with all of these relationships at the tips of our fingers. But at the end of the day, we're right here in town. We're local guys that are just looking to help you out. Honesty, integrity. I mean, the mortgage business isn't... It's there's a lot of stuff to know. There's a lot of different directions you can take a loan, but just providing advice, providing information and helping helping be a, a sounding board for someone as they bounce their ideas and financial goals off off of us. That's really what we're We've there almost for. been doing this show as long as we've had Central Coast Lending. Pretty yeah. Yeah. I mean they they darn near started in tandem. And you couldn't come on this show every single week and say things like this where it's not salesmanshipy. It's not commission oriented. We're not out to bait and switch. We're we're um, we can make these claims on the radio. Nobody's going to call and say otherwise. It, it really is the. I mean, this is if nothing else is a tool of great accountability where people can really trust that reaching out to us for some help is um, it's a safe, smart way to start. Um, and we hope that this show helps provide a little credibility to that end. Um, so. Next week, we'll be here. We'll be here. We'll be here. And then we're going to take a week off for Thanksgiving. Um, right? You look surprised. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It'll be on us before we know it. And then it'll be December. I know. Crazy. Can huh? you believe it? So, um, yeah, guys, thanks much for listening today. Um, and again, if we can help you, the number that rings all of our office is 543 Loan. That'll get you to all of our four offices, 543-5626. Go to that website, centralcoastlending.com. Thanks so much for being with us. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you next week.